0: It's the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa podcast. And after last weekend, I said, you know who I want to talk to more than anybody else? I said the guy who just looted this tournament up. A tournament in the first weekend is always for the little schools and the ones that spring the upsets that we don't forget. Princeton is still alive, obviously, uh, and they're a little different because they're Ivies, but... What FDU did was remarkable. Their head coach, Tobin Anderson, joins us now, and he's on his way to Iona. But first, let's first congratulate you. Tobin, uh, welcome, and congratulations on your team's uh, success. They they really gave America a big thrill.
1: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. It was was an unbelievable run and just something, you know, once-in-a-lifetime
0: opportunity. You know, here's the thing. I'm watching you. And after you win what I call the playing game, they always get mad if I call it that. But they, <laughs> the the, the playing game, you talking about Purdue, and everyone made a big deal with you saying, "Hey, I really like the matchup." You weren't kidding. I mean, you knew what your kids could do. But here's the thing that struck me about your game, and especially the Florida Atlantic game, I have not seen anybody get kids to play that hard on both ends of the floor. For an entire game, I don't think at any point I can ever remember in the NCAA tournament they played as hard as any team I've ever seen play in the NCAA tournament. Well,
1: I appreciate that, Mike. That that, that really means a lot because that we that's you know that's kind of who we are. We were are you know we according to the, the metrics for the smallest team in Division One, average height six one. So we have to play hard just to compete. And um, yeah, we just we our, our motto is to be the hardest playing, toughest team on the floor every night. And I thought for those three games in the NCAA tournament we we, we were that. We were definitely and against Purdue, like you made it, you know, everybody made a big deal about the locker room speech, but like we thought that matchup was good for us because we're a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. Um, they want to play half court, they wanna grind it out in the Big Ten. They, they haven't seen a team like us all year long. You know, I didn't mean for that speech to go to go uh national. It was supposed to be a private speech. I forgot you forget sometimes when you're an FTU that there's cameras around at the NCAA tournament all the time. So I actually didn't know. It'd go national, but we we really believed that was a good matchup for us. Like we didn't want to play Houston, we didn't want to play a team more like us. We didn't want to play uh, an Arkansas or a, a more athletic team. But Purdue was a good matchup style-wise. And my my dad was a big fight fan. He said styles make fights, and I thought our, the style made it for us. Made a, a good fight for us. I thought we had a chance to beat them because of that. And you know, I didn't think, you know, I thought we could hang around. But once it got to be in like the last ten or twelve minutes, they got they got tight. And our guys played loose, and, and we found a way to win.
0: You, they got really tight. You could see it. What did you tell your team privately when you were private before that game started? What was the thing you wanted to do against them to keep you in the game the first 30 minutes?
1: Just make them uncomfortable. Like, make them have to make decisions faster. Like, don't let Ed, don't let ED see space. And we, we doubled E.D. all the time when he caught the ball. We also doubled him before he caught the ball. And we went through the numbers. And the numbers were... Before our game, they were shooting like guys were shooting the ball, you know, fairly well for most of the season. We we're shooting like low thirties and high twenties. They hadn't been shooting the ball very well the last five or six games. We said, listen, if they miss a couple of shots early, they're going to get tight. They're going to get They're going to start to panic a little bit. We played, they had two big kids off the bench. We didn't even guard. We played their guys in the paint the whole time. And these are, these are former Mr. Basketball. These are guys who are great players out of high school, but once they missed a shot or two, they didn't want to shoot again. And, um, you know the, the press. The press when we we press for 40 minutes. You know you you know Mike from the old the old Patino teams at Kentucky. That's that's kind of our style. Make them play fast. Make them play, make decisions going full speed. And once they turn it over a couple of times, our guards got a little bit um, a little bit nervous too. So and we scored. We hit some shots. We played we played good basketball. We shared the ball and we broke it down to to a four minute game. We just said hang around yep. every four minutes. You know, immediate timeouts. Hang around
0: for four minutes. Hang around for four minutes. Hang around for four minutes. Then all of a sudden it gets to be close. And we got a shot. Take me through. I Listen, there's been a lot of games. And we're talking with Tobin Anderson, the FDU coach, who has now moved Iona. We'll get to that a little later in the interview. But there's a, there's been a lot of games in the history of the 116 matchups where the team is around for 30 minutes, even yep. 35 yep. minutes. But there's the yep. point of reckoning where the 16 wakes up and says, oh, my God, I got to take yep. this home. When you got to that point and that's when your coaching is going to really kick in. When was that for your guys? And what did you do at that moment?
1: I think the last time out there was like three, went a little bit late. It was like three twenty-five to go. And we're up by two, maybe. And we just kept saying to him, listen, play to win. Like, don't, don't get tight. Don't get tentative. Like play to win. Like make, and our motto has always been, you know, make, make a play, make a play, make a tip, make a deflection, make something happen. So, I didn't feel good till the kid made the three at the top of the key. To, I thought the whole game just like you thought. We're gonna, eventually they're, they're going to wake up. and We're, we're going to get beaten. There's going to be a you know great effort by FDU. They hung around. Once the kid made the top of the key three, Sean Moore, I was like, you know, wow, this this actually could happen. You know, we were one stop away, or you know, one block shot away, or one play away from you know we're in control. And um, you know, it just it was an amazing feeling because. You know, that, you know just to be in that position. Then, but then, that, like you said, to take advantage of that and actually finish the game and win the game. And Our guys do not look rattled. I mean, you know, As you know, Mike, we play in an arena that seats about 1,800 people. If yep. we're used to playing in front of crowds, family and friends, there's 20,000 people, and the whole place is chanting FDU. I mean, it's a surreal experience. That's that's what makes the tournament such a special thing, that a team like FDU can go in there and play Purdue, and the place all of a sudden turned to a pro FDU uh um crowd
0: and it was just awesome so yours was was the bigger 116 i'm not taking anything away from the first one yep. but in that game they blew them out so there was no game yep. in the last five minutes they yep. they had blown them off everyone just said oh my god this is over i mean it was over yep. they were never in the game your game was going to come down to the finish plus you're playing against a seven foot four kid who's the player of the year so yep. i mean and they can't get him the ball you guys did a great job of Great denying job. them or denying yep. him access to the basketball in the last 15 minutes of the game:
1: yeah, incredible. Our, our big guys were all about six, five six, six now sometimes it helps to be smaller because you can be you're a little quicker you can get in front of him but he always had a guy in front of him and a guy behind him you know there, there was always a crowd around him so guys didn't feel comfortable throwing into him and we caught the ball if we didn't double him, our guards dug it out or he put it on the floor our guards our guys we, we also said listen don't foul him. Make him make those five-foot jump hooks or those four-foot shots. And he missed a couple of shots, too. And, and um, you know, it was just I mean, amazing. You know, just our, our guy, we haven't been a great defensive team all year long. We played as well defensively as you could possibly play in that game.
0: Oh, uh, Brilliantly. And I'll tell you, that it, what also gets you is that they have, listen, they're one seed, they have big players. They're Purdue, they have big yep. players. They have big stars. Yep. We know that, and they have kids who are highly recruited. But what I always love is when a kid realizes – hey, I'm as good as these guys, and ooh, you're number ooh. two. He was the best player on the court. <laughs> I mean, that's all yeah. there is to it. He was better than everybody else in that game. And the, and the amazing thing was that he was playing Division II basketball
1: his first four years. You know, he was a Div- Division II player for me at St. Thomas Aquinas, and I brought him with me. And when I brought him with you guys, were like, do you think he can, he can play at that level? Is he good enough? Is he gonna, you know, he was, like, he was the best guard in the floor the all three games for the most part. Yep. You know? He I mean, was wonderful. He
0: was a wonderful, wonderful. player. It's great to watch, too.
1: Yeah, but he's about he's a Mount Vernon kid, you know. If you're, I'm, I'm oh, he right is. By, I didn't realize
0: that. Okay, I, Mount, I didn't he, realize you know, that. You know, but he you're
1: was. Mount Vernon, you're you're not afraid ahead. of anything, you know. If you're from Mount you Vernon, you're not, you're not afraid of anything. Like you you have no. He thinks he should be out there. He thinks he should be the best player of the court. And that's just kind of how he acted.
0: Absolutely, going back to the days of Gus Williams and those yep. guys. Absolutely, yep. all all those great Mount Vernon players. You know, uh, we're talking with Tobin Anderson, the head coach at FDU, who uh, really lit up the tournament and. Uh, Became an overnight sensation with his FDU team. Here's the thing. I thought, okay, I hadn't seen a lot of Florida Atlantic. I watched them play Memphis. I said, Man, this team is deep. They're fast. Yep. And yep. they want to prove something. This is not a good matchup. The game starts yep. and it's either seven or nine nothing. I don't remember what it was. I think it was nine nothing. Nine and nothing, I'm saying, yep. oh boy, this is gonna be bad. And all of a sudden, your guy said, The heck it is flicked the switch, and outplayed them for 35 minutes. I mean, yep. I was like, I'm stunned. I figured Florida Atlantic would beat you comfortably. And let's be honest, a couple of balls drop, you're in the Sweet 16. It was almost a more impressive performance against them because we I beat agree. beat Purdue. It would be, it'd
1: be I very agree. easy to just relax and say, hey, we, we did what we had to do. Let's get beat by 20 and go home. The fact that we got down 9-0 and our guys just kept coming, and we had them on the ropes about we came out in the second half, got them down by four. Yep. We had them on the ropes. All we needed was a couple of shots to drop and a couple of misses by them. You get up by eight or ten, we're in the sweet 16 in the garden, and it would be the most unbelievable story of all time. So um, I was proud of how he played in that game just as much as Purdue because we were, we were like you said, we were, we were right there the whole way through. I guess the team was 30-3, and three, beat Memphis. That's a, that's a good team. You know, and, and, like, I don't know if you noticed, but we were – FD was four and twenty four last year. You know, I know. Four, I, I, I do know and that. And,
0: and listen, it was remarkable. And I say this to you, Tobin. I really believe it. I watch all the tournament games. I did the tournament for CBS. I was on the. You know, I, I was there forever. So I mean, I, I've been around this tournament for forty years, and I never miss it. I have never seen a team ever play harder than your team, and, and there teams I've seen play harder than Spurs. Yep. But your team for for. Forty minutes twice played as hard, and I agree. In the Florida Atlantic game, you played harder than you played in the Purdue game. I thought yep. it was an incredible performance, and let's be honest, they had more depth, they had more size, and they had quickness. They, they Purdue yep. didn't. They had a lot of quickness, and you still outplayed them for a big chunk of that game.
1: Yep. yeah, but that that means a lot, Mike. Coming from you, I've got tremendous respect for you, and the, your 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 knowledge. I've been listening to you for a long time, so it's for you to say that means a lot, and and um. It's a special group of guys. They did this, they just they embraced, they embraced the opportunity. I told them, like here's a chance. Like we're here. Here's a chance to do something special. And they embraced and played their played their tails off. And um, yeah, it was a one. We were one six nothing run at the end. Was, you know, four, last uh, four time we were down by like three. All we needed was a six nothing run, and that game was ours. We, we were right there.
0: You know. Let me talk about your career and. People say, and I always laugh when they say this, oh, he's an overnight sensation. Overnight sensation, <laughs> this guy's put in hard work, no pay. Over. I yep. always say the guy was an overnight sensation somewhere along the way worked overnight for nothing a long time ago. Okay, we all yep. did it on the way to being successful. We all did it. There's no overnight sensations. You've had an amazing career. Plus, you played at Wesleyan where you were a star. I know Wesleyan. And I know that league, especially, I was there last summer because my son, Jack, who's a tight end at Chaminade here on Long Island, was, you know, he went and visited with the coach at Wesleyan. He wound up going to Hamilton. And I know Uh, one of your stops was at Hamilton. He's going there next year to play football and he's uh, a tight end. He's going to Hamilton, which I was in this summer. I wasn't aware of Hamilton. It's a great little campus. And then I see, when I look back at your career, you coached at Hamilton.
1: (laughs) Yep, I played So I played in in that league.
0: You played at Wesleyan, you know, which is the Bill Belichick school, if everyone knows, in Middletown, Connecticut. Great school, great academic school, great league, and they are a powerhouse in the league. Hamilton is trying to become one. They've had some lean years, but my son picked Hamilton. He liked the coaches. He's going there next year. Uh, Great school, and, you know, we're looking forward to it. But I saw that that was – so you played at Wesleyan and you coached at Hamilton, so you spent a lot of time upstate.
1: Yep. That's a great that's a great league for people who know who know athletics like the Nescaq is an unbelievable league. It's a high level. It's it's almost as good as a lot of low division one uh, programs. And it's, it's well, great coaches, great people. You know, who told me schools. that Jay Wright.
0: Jay Wright told they, me yep, any yep, athlete he, who goes to Hamilton will love it because when I was my son was going with being recruited, I said he said to me, I'm telling you, it's a great yep, place to yep. play sports.
1: He'll he'll love it there, and it's, it's incredible. And Jay, so Jay Wright was at Rochester, and Rochester and Hamilton had all these big rivalries back in the day. So it's a yeah, it's a great it's a great place, and like it's high it's high level athletics across the board.
0: Tell me from when you you're a coach's son. Tell me yeah. what you learned from your father and what you learned oh. along the way on all these coaching stops where Claw you were at Clarkson and <laughs> Hamilton, St. Thomas Aquinas. Tell me yeah. first what your dad meant as. Being a coach's son, well, how does yeah. it help being a coach's son?
1: Well, I grew up in the gym. Like I was, When I was old enough to walk, I was in his practices. I was in his at his games. I was there all the time. I saw how he interact with the players. I saw how important. And like, I love high school coaches. Like, you know, coach Hurley's close to me. Morgan Wood was a good friend of mine. I spoke at his camp. So I have so much respect for high school because high school coaches wash the uniforms. They're sweeping the gym. They're driving the kids to practice. My dad used to have JV practice from 7 to 8 in the morning. teach school all day long then go to varsity practice at night from, from four to six. I mean, he worked, he worked so hard. They go, then he goes scout teams and He had an incredible work ethic. He, he spent all this time in the gym. I lived in the gym with him. I played for him, which is hard. I mean, being a coach's kid is not the easiest thing in the world. Right. So it was 24 seven of me. And I, I learned so much from him just, and his players loved him. Like the great thing for me, the last like, like 10 days, is I've heard from so many people who played for him back in the day, how much they loved my father and playing for him. So so I just those player-coach relationships and and the, the how he, he interacts with his team and how important he was in their in their lives that went a long ways to to show me how to 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 lead a team and how to be a coach and he he knew his X and O's too he was a great great X and O guy big Bob Knight motion guy we'd run a lot of motion like 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 Bob Knight did so um, yeah I mean I still hear his voice on basically everything I, everything I do
0: that's great that really is yeah. we're talking with Tobin Anderson who's Was that FDU just got to FDU this year? Took him from four wins to upsetting Purdue to almost winning their way into the Sweet Sixteen. He now is headed to Iona to replace Rick Pitino, who left to go to St. John's. So uh, we'll get to that in a second. But first, um, one thing about the road and all these years. Okay, (laughs) when when you when you're in that gym, when did it dawn on you? Hey, first you made the NCAA tournament. You didn't even win the game, you, the, you know, because the team was paying their dues for moving up to Division One. So yep, you yep. get into the tournament. Now you're in a, the big setting. Having been in all these little gyms and spent all these <laughs> nights on the road and driving the van and washing the uniforms yep. and everything else, what, what, when did it hit you in the middle of that Purdue game when you look around that stadium, national TV, look around that building and realize this is where I'm coaching right now? There was a timeout at
1: some point in the second half, and you know it's getting stressful, or whatever. I said, "Fellas, I said, relax. I said, look around. I said, just look around at this place. And the place is chanting FDU, and the people and the crowd is going nuts. And like we're in a 20,000 seat arena, and you know my my two guards that came with me, the, tr- the two transfers, we used to play in front of 200 people. It just kind of like, just just it was an amazing feeling to 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 see that environment. Just be like, and we're and we're playing well. We're playing great. I said, just like you're doing great things. That so just keep it keep it going, keep it rolling, don't, don't, we, we kept saying believe, like, you gotta, you gotta believe, was gotta believe, you know, and, and they, and they did, you know, and then I'll tell you a funny story, so the next, the day after our game, I'm walking down the hallway and Tom Izzo's in front of me, right, so he's walking about 20 feet in front of me, we beat Purdue, but I'm like, I see Izzo, so I'm like, hey, hey coach, I said, I said, he turned around, I said, my name's Tobin Anderson, he says, I know who the blank you are. He said, I, hell, I watched the whole damn game. You guys were like a big 10 team out there. Play <laughs> play.
0: <laughs> How I great is that? How
1: I mean, g- <laughs> the Tigers didn't know me from, from anybody, you know, 48 hours ago. So just, things like that and, and watching, you know, the, the tournament games and knowing we're, 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 we're playing next, just amazing. That's, that's why this tournament is so, so awesome. Because Yeah, it makes stars
0: like overnight as it, yeah. as it did for you or a player. You know, like yeah. the little Kansas State guard, who we all knew he was a good player this year, but we watched him light up Kentucky and the country's yeah. going crazy. Wait until the Garden sees him pass. They're going to go absolutely oh. nuts. I mean, he He's, is an incredible passer. That, that's what the tournament's all about. But you, you talked about now it's a different world with social media. You got oh. emails. You got texts oh. from people. Who was the craziest? Now, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's not too many that impressed you, but who was the one where you said, wow, I got a text from blank?
1: Yep. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick texted me on Saturday night after the game. said, watched your whole game. So much fun to watch you play. Uh, good luck tomorrow. And I'm like, that was one where I just kind of like, oh, you know, that's that's a that's a guy right there. You know, so that was pretty that was pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, because you spent all those years in the Belichick Center on that campus because that's yep, his exactly. school, Wesley. And yep. so obviously everything's Belichick there. So I can understand that. All right. Yep. Now. You know there's going to be the phone ringing. you've no. only been in FDU ten months. I know it's not easy, but you have to make your move for your family for everything it, That's the way well, the game is played. How well, tough was it to go?
1: hard, hard, hard to go because I thought this would happen at some point in FDU. I thought it would happen after three or four years or five years. I thought after four years, you build a program, you go to the NCAs, then you have a chance to move. Well, hell, it happened in ten months right The, the process got sped up, so. I'll, you know, and we just got came through a thing, an emotional experience where the whole team just, you go through something like that, a run like that, and like that playing game helped us. We won two NC games, won a playing game, beat Purdue, and then almost beat Fort Atlantic. Like, just such an unbelievable experience to go through, and then to come home, and, you know, I got home on, I was on the Today Show Monday morning, which is just, I mean, who the hell wants me on the Today Show, you know, 24 hours ago, I'm on the Today Show. I get home, I sit down on my couch, literally, for five minutes, and all of a sudden, I get a, a, a text from the Iona people. They want to talk to me, want to talk to me. Within, within a couple hours, I'm the new head coach in Iona. And it was just like, you know, it's just, it's, it's just, it's just, a, it's just that's great.
0: You know what? That's, that's what the tournament's about. That's what America's about. I mean, that's what, that's yep. exactly what it is. You know what? You earned it. You deserved it. And the residual effect for FDU will be enormous. I mean, yep. it yep. people don't understand how this, I mean, if you look at Villain Over, where they were 20 years ago and where they are now because of what the basketball program has done in the last 10 years. I mean, it's, it's gotten to be impossible to get into Villanova. They get so many applications and, and they get so many great students want to go there now because everyone knows Villanova as an example, it puts schools on the map.
1: Yep. And that's why I feel, I feel, I feel good. I I don't feel that bad about leaving it because we did, we did great things for FDU. We helped FDU, um, Every person at FDU has been so supportive of me, and so positive about the last, you know, me going to Iona and me making the move. Because you know, we did some special things. We did we did things people remember for the next 50, 100 years. I mean, you know, that's one of the biggest upsets in college basketball history. So we, and like like you said, I don't, I don't feel bad because I spent, like you said, fifteen, twenty years in small gyms, driving vans, washing uniforms. Like we worked our tails off just to get to this point. So you know, an opportunity like this comes along. You, gotta take it, you have to take advantage
0: of it. Absolutely. And Iona is uh, not only a great school, it's a school that has produced so many coaches, you know, from yep. uh, from what Jim Valvano did. Obviously, yep. uh, through the years, Kloos, uh, who was a tremendous coach there, Timmy Cluse yep. did a great job. Yep. And then Patino going there when no one else would take him. And now everything cleared up and he could go back to the big time. But yep. Iona is a great mid-major. I mean, it's almost... At the top end of the mid majors, where they get yep. a lot of attention and they do a lot of winning, as you know.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's a, it's a great job. It's, a, it's a, like you said, it's a high, high mid major job that wants to be almost a you know, it's a, a great mid major that wants to be almost a high uh, major. You can win here. People, people always won here. They've been to the tournament. You know, Tim Close was a, was a terrific coach. Yep. the Willards, Timmy Welsh, a lot of great guys come through here. So it's a a program steeped in tradition, a lot of support, a lot of uh, notoriety. So now I'm I'm excited and we know the expectation the expectation is Iona is to win and that's the plan we're, we're going to win here and like you know hopefully go back to the Blaze. once you win the tournament and have that experience you want to get back there because it, it is a it is a, a an unbelievable thing so we're going to work our tails off here and try to get Iona to only to the tournament win a couple of games
0: well listen it's a it, it's a uh you you really did a great job it was a wonderful experience I, I know what it means to after you. i know what it's meant to those kids and uh you should be commended i appreciate you on a what a very busy day we were saying <laughs> hey he might not be able to make it today i mean he just took a new job he has moving he's doing this and that but i appreciate you keeping your commitment um uh, i'm thrilled to have you on the show uh continued success and, again, congratulations. You really, you really thrilled everybody, uh, not just in the metropolitan area, but across the country. It's a great thing. And somewhere your father's smiling down after what you accomplished this week, so you should be very proud of it.
1: Well, any, anything for you, Mike, I've been a huge fan. Like I told you before, my dad was an unbelievable huge fan. So just, it's, it's an honor to be on with you. I've got a tremendous respect, and, yeah, it's been a great ride. And hopefully at some point we'll be on again together after I want to go to Street 16 or something like that. Great.
0: Okay. Hey, good luck to you. Thanks very much, Tobin. Thanks, Mike. All right. Tobin Anderson on his way to Iona from FDU. So here's a guy who played at Wesleyan, which is a superior division three league, great division three league uh, coached at Hamilton, which is in the the same league as Wesleyan. Okay. Uh, Coached at Clarkson. Then he went to Hamilton. Then he went to St. Thomas Aquinas, which is division two coached there for years. And he made a short stop as an assistant at Siena. and then he was to FDU. He got to FDU, where they won four games. They wound up in the NCAA tournament this year. Now you know they didn't win the championship game, but the team that did wasn't eligible to play in the NCAA tournament because they're making the jump from Division Two to Division One, and you have to have some years where you don't get into you don't represent the, the league. That's part of the initiation phase. So they they got in. I think it was a one-point game. Uh, they, they got in, and you're not thinking about FDU. You've seen them in this game before. You've seen them in the play-in game before. They win the play-in game. No one's thinking anything. And then after the game, he makes the comment about Purdue, which gets a lot of attention. So you want to see the game, and then you said, hey, this guy says, you know, this is a great matchup for his team. He can't wait to play Purdue. He thinks he matched up great, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, here they are. In a 116 tussle. And you know how it plays out. 30 minutes in, you don't take it serious. And then the last 10 minutes, you start making sure everybody knows that history is in the making. And then history was made. And then they come back in the game against the nine seed that beat Memphis. You know, Florida Atlantic won 30 games this year. They have players, no question. They were a nine seed. They won 30 games. They were a one point underdog on against Memphis. They beat them in the final seconds by a point. They scored with two seconds left. And then they could have easily beaten Florida Atlantic. They played their hearts out. They fell short. They lost by eight points. And now he winds up 10 months after getting to FDU, winds up at Iona, replacing Rick, who winds up today, obviously, at St. John's. Uh, let me start there before I close on a sad note. People wonder what happened with Rick. What happened with Rick was the NCA could not prove the charges against Rick. So that allowed Rick now to be back in play for the bigger schools. Okay. That took years. Um, Whether or not you think about what he did and whether he's guilty or innocent. Hey, the bottom line is they couldn't prove it. So, you can't convict him on it. So now he's back in play. First came Georgetown. There was a lot of talk about Georgetown. Then there was a little talk about Texas Tech. Then there was talk about St. John's all the way through. And then there was discussion there. Then there was talk about schools coming in late, trying to steal him, including Florida. Didn't happen. He goes to St. John's, okay? he, start, he, he And today he had his press conference. St. John's has gone through a tremendously lean time, no question. Uh, They have a lot of work to do. As he said, he needs to change the culture. He will. One thing you know about Rick, okay, he's going to win. Case closed. He's going to get players. He's going to develop players. He is one of – whether you like Rick Pitino, don't like Rick Pitino – Rick Pitino is, without any question, one of the greatest college coaches of all time. There's no, that's no, there's no debate about that. You might like his style. You might not like his style. You might like his, some of the things that are going on in his career. You might not like some of the things that went on in his career. That's fine. There's no debating, though, that if you say, I'll take Pitino, you didn't make a dumb move against anybody who's ever coached. That's how good he is he is in the handful of greatest college coaches of all time. You can put, you know, you, you can start with John Wooden and Bob Knight, and you can put Calhoun and, of course, Coach K right at the top and add it, sprinkle in and Adolph Rupp or go anywhere you want. There's plenty of guys. The bottom line is he ranks with any of them. That goes without saying. It's a different world now. You don't need facilities. You don't need dormitories. You don't need any of the stuff that players used to dislike about St. John's. Oh, they don't have a campus life. Oh, they don't have this. They don't have that. Oh, they do not have a great practice. Oh, they don't have this. They don't have that. Bottom line is they have Madison Square Garden. They have New York City. They have Madison Square Garden. And they have a tradition that goes back forever. The days of Frank McGuire and St. John's in the 50s. St. John's is one of the winningest teams in the history of college basketball. Has it been a blue blood like Kentucky or North Carolina or Duke? No. But they've been, one of the, they've been around forever. Will Rick win? Yeah, he will. Will he get players? Yes, because you know what? In this day and age, it's not about any of that stuff. It's about NIL, and it's about, you know, they're going to buy players. Let's be honest. That's what they're going to do. It's not illegal. They're going to do it. And he can coach them. There'll be turnover because he coaches a different style. But remember, they had fast players, so he he might – I know he said he's going to have a lot of turnover because that's just the way his teams play, but you know what? He might have a couple of players that fit in more than he thinks only because St. John's played quick. That wasn't it. They just couldn't shoot. But he'll do well. Might not happen this year. It might take two years, but I would tell you this. Within two years, he'll be in the NCAA tournament. He might not make it next year, and maybe he will. But I would say within two years, I would bet serious money that he'd be in the NCAA tournament within two years. If he isn't, that I would say he's been a bit bitter disappointment, and I don't think there's any way he's not in the NCAA tournament within two years, and he might get there in one year, depending on how many players he gets. Now to the sad note. One of the real iconic figures in sports in our city in the baby boomer generation. So if you're old enough to remember sports in the 60s and 70s, if you have a memory of those teams, then this one hit you with wow. And that today was the passing of Willis Reed at the age of 80. When I first saw it, the first thing I said was wow, Willis Reed. No, I knew Willis Reed pretty well, obviously, uh, doing what I did and doing what he did. I mean, I, I know Willis very well. But what this is about is if you were an NBA fan, you know Willis Reed. If you were a Knicks fan, then Willis Reed has a cherished place in your heart because he was the leader. Now, if you're not old enough to know the way this works, I'll give you the history lesson. The Knicks were improving. They had Reed, but they had a center who was a big-time scorer and a big-time center named Walt Bellamy. The Knicks made a move for Dave DeBuscher. It not only brought a great two-way player, DeBuscher was one of the all-time defensive players uh, and really an amazing forward now at that time he could be what you would consider to be a power forward and he played against power forwards even though he was you know six five six six and could shoot from the outside but he was a great athlete he also was a pitcher for the white Sox. but they made a trade that not only brought the busher and his toughness and his defense and his leadership to the Knicks, but also freed up Reed to move to center. So now the Knicks took off. They had drafted a kid named Walt Frazier to pin in the, put in the backcourt with Dick Barnett. They had they, they had Bill Bradley at one forward. Now they had Dave DeBuscher at the other forward and Willis Reed at center. Then they had players like Kazzy Russell, who was one of the two or three best players in the country when he was in college. So was Bill Bradley. And they became role players with the great Knicks teams. The Knicks teams unselfish, great defensive teams led by Red Holtzman. Teams that pass the ball, great movement, great defense, shoot the ball inside, go inside with Reed, shoot the ball outside. If it had been a three point goal, there's so, so many of the shots that the Busher and Reed made, the Busher and Bradley made would have been three pointers. Cazzy in the corner would have been just lights out. They had the Minutemen off the bench, Cassie, Dave, uh, Dave Stallworth, okay? Guys like that, Phil Jackson off the bench. Later on for the second championship, they brought in Jerry Lucas and they brought in Earl Monroe, and won a second championship. But the first championship is what everybody remembers, the great 69-70 series. And it's one of the most puzzling series of all time. The Knicks were playing the great Laker team. Chamberlain, West, Elgin Baylor. Game five. At the Garden, Willis is getting torched by Chamberlain. Chamberlain is killing him in the first half of the game. Willis goes down. He gets hurt. And the Knicks go to a small lineup, and Chamberlain basically never touches the ball again. It's almost like what you watch with Purdue and FDU. Never touches the ball again. And they go on to an unbelievable victory. And that game five is discounted way too much when people look back on that championship. Game six, they don't have Reed. He's not playing. They have a 3-2 lead. They go back to L.A. And Chamberlain against Nate Bowman et al. Puts up 45 points and 28 rebounds in a game six win for the Lakers. So everybody figures they're coming back here. And Chamberlain's going to be unstoppable in game seven. And nobody expects Reed to play. We don't hear he's going to play. He's not going to play. He's going to play. And then all of a sudden, coming out of the tunnel before the game, is Willis as the crowd, the crescendos in the garden going crazy as Willis limps onto the court, goes out, takes a shot. The place goes nuts warms up, takes a shot, the place goes insane. The game starts, he comes in and hits a couple of buckets. And for some reason, this completely just leveled the Lakers. They were nowhere to be found in a game that was never close, in a game where Walt Frazier played the greatest game he ever played, in a game seven. But it was those moments for Willis Reed coming out of the tunnel that is considered one of the great iconic moments in the history of New York sports. and he didn't have a big game that night. Frazier had a brilliant game. The Knicks swarmed and went crazy, and the Lakers just seemed out of it from the start. Why this happened this way, why Chamberlain reacted this way, is why the puzzle with Chamberlain has always been so insane. In game six, he had 45 points and 28 rebounds, he was unstoppable. The next game, you couldn't find them. And what was a crushing loss for the Lakers, who had had so many crushing losses, and for Chamberlain, who had so many crushing losses. And the Knicks went on to a championship in what was a special time in New York. Because at the same time, you had had the Jets and the Mets, and you had such a tremendous... A couple of years with those teams. And the Knicks came back and won another championship. And it was a different team there because you had different players. But the bottom line is they won two championships in a couple of years. And Reed was the captain, the storied leader, the captain of the team. And forever he was beloved in New York City and be loved by all New York fans for this, being the captain. He had a place that was there to be cherished and was honored and cherished forever. It was cemented. It's what winning means in this town. He was cemented into this team. You know how Mets fans think about Say Keith Hernandez for being a leader with the '86 Mets. Well, Willis Reed, and this is no knock on, no knock on Keith, but Willis Reed was bigger than that. His place was higher than that in this town. He was thought of. On a, he was put on a pedestal because of his leadership, and he was the captain of these great Nick teams, and they were great teams brilliantly coached cerebral teams, teams that own this city. And so that's why Willis has never heard anything but cheers in New York since. And he passed away today. I don't know what the cause was. The captain was 80 years old. You know, you get to a point where you don't think about people for a while and then... The, la- you know, the, the thing you hear after they retire for a while is they go to the Hall of Fame and you, con- you make contact with them. And unless they get into the media, you know, get into broadcasting or something, they, they go away unless they're coaching or in broadcasting. You know, they just kind of disappear. And then they get in the Hall of Fame. And then after that, you don't hear anything about them. Maybe you see them at an old-timers game or see them in an event once in a while. Willis did some coaching. He coached at Creighton. He was an assistant coach at St. John's bounced around a little bit, but for the most part, he just was always the captain. And when you think about those teams, few teams, few teams had a grip on the city the way that Nick team did. And that group for all their brilliance, Reed, DeBusher, Bradley, Frazier, Barnett, Red Holtzman. Especially cherished that first championship team. And that's why it's a very, very sad day today when you talk about the passing of the captain. And when you say the captain, I know people... Think of, say, jita but Willis was the captain first. And he was special. And he's been held in that special place with that special esteem for a very long time. As I said, gone today at 80, may he rest in peace.